Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. So in just a moment, we're going to talk about England Euro 2022 champions. We'll be uh, chatting with Siobhan Hearn, football journalist. Uh, Chloe Kelly scored the winning goal in front of 87,192 spectators at Wembley. There were 17 million watching on BBC One. Pretty extraordinary uh, occasion, extraordinary tournament in many ways. One you suspect which will be uh, remembered, certainly in England, for a very long time to come. Uh, Siobhan Hearn, it's great to have you with us. You're very welcome. Hi. Uh, you can hear us okay there, Siobhan? I can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, we got you, we got you. So, uh, England, they mm. got it done and they were pretty impressive in getting it done. Two evenly matched teams, it must be said. The two best teams made it to the final. We had the eight-time champions in Germany. We had England looking to make it uh, a win for the first time. It was a pretty even game in many ways. Cancelled each other out at times. Occasionally, mm-hmm. good pieces of football would pierce through and there'd be a chance created. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really was the perfect perfect day for England is what it seemed because originally when the, the team news came out, Alexandra Pop for Germany, um, who's their, their star girl, um, she was obviously up front as she had been for the whole tournament and she got injured in the warm-up. She was going for the golden boot yesterday as well on Sunday. So um, them being out without her, you know, everything just aligned perfectly. England because without her in the box Germany were definitely missing something very very special Um, you know England started to get under their skin um, and as the time went on I've never seen a more ill-disciplined Germany side they really lost their heads um, and just things got better then for England they they, they managed to then dig deep and get that second goal an extra time and and Germany couldn't find their way back into the game so yeah they they were absolutely outstanding I have to say Mm. And you do need pieces of luck to win these tournaments. It's quite an extraordinary, uh, I was going to say feat. I don't know if feat is quite the word, but it's been an extraordinary aspect of England's uh, route through to the final that they've went with the same starting eleven throughout. I mean, you mentioned the German situation and the injuries and COVID. I can't think of a tournament winning team who started with the same eleven all the way through. Neither have I. Neither have I. And actually, the, the tournament went on. We were, we were seeing areas of weaknesses for the Serena Wiegmann side. Left-back Rachel Daly, who plays as a striker at her club in America, she plays left-back for England, which to me is just a, a wee bit bizarre. But she's brilliant going forward. But against Spain, um, she struggled. You know, she, she, And I thought, well, we're going to see a change against Sweden because we know Sweden are a really attacking side. Nope, no changes whatsoever. So when we knew going into the semis that she wasn't going to change Rachel Daly at left-back at all, we knew that she was never going to change any element of her squad going into the final. Um, as well. But what I will say on that note is that Serena Wiegmann's squad are so good and everyone knows their job. Everyone knows when they're coming on exactly what they have to do. And those players that she has on for starting, you know, grind out the results from the get-go as well. And then the people that have been coming on, the likes of Ella Toon, Alessia Russo, uh, Chloe Kelly, who got the the winning goal as well, they've all known exactly what to do and they've all contributed to the game. Um, And I actually quite like her style. You know, I'm getting used to it. I quite like knowing a starting 11. Is that weird? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, and they're increasingly, I mean, various studies in, in successful teams point to cohesion being mm. all important and a real uh, cornerstone of success. So I guess you kind of have to acknowledge that Serena Wigman really, really, really knows what she's doing. And uh, reading about her, she seems like a very likable character. She's come across brilliantly all tournament, but very humble, likes her uh, summer holidays in a camper van away from mm. any glitz and glare and 
Uh, there's yeah. been talk of uh, an honorary uh, damehood being uh, bestowed upon her now. So uh, she is extraordinary. Back to back Euros, uh, one with yeah. the Netherlands in 17 and uh, came close to winning a World Cup in between. Uh, she mm. arrived with England in September of 2021. What, Siobhan, has she done with this group of English players that previous managers failed to do, in, in your opinion? From what it seems, I've been speaking to a lot of the players and they all agree that she's allowed them to be creative. Um, there's not this set blueprint to play for England, which was quite the way it was for so many years. She's allowed this freedom and players to express themselves on the pitch. Um, and you see that when they play, actually, at the moment as well. The other thing that it's just, it seems like a simple thing, but how do you do it? And she does so well is just win. Winning mentality. You know, the second that we're on the back foot, we make the change because they're going to try and win. And any time that did happen in this tournament, they were able to make the changes quickly and turn it around. And that's what I've, I've really enjoyed about Serena Wiegmann in this tournament. It's not changes at, you know, stoppage time or, you know, into the late 80s, minutes, whatever. You know, she's making changes at half time. She's putting the subs on at 52 minutes. And those subs are then going on to win the game. So, she knows exactly what she's doing. She knows the opposition, all of them so well. But what it seems she's done with this team is made them believe you can win. And that's something England have never had before. And she knows how to win and she's taught them how to win. And they've never lost a game since she came in in September. It is extraordinary. The German coach, Martina Vostecklenburg, was uh, very gracious afterwards. And she mm. congratulated England and said, if you score two goals in a final against Germany, then you deserve to win. However... 25th minute, handball, Leah Williamson near the goal line. She questioned that and the German press have questioned that and really they have a point. Yeah, yeah. It was, for me, it was a handball. Mm. It was a handball. I was at the game and I thought, ah, that's a handball. And then when I got out, I, I, looked, I looked through the clips and yeah, that's what it was. So, you know, it's, it's hard. Germany, you know, I'm a proud Scotswoman um, myself, you know, you're, I was going into this tournament wanting the Lionesses to do well and to continue to grow the game in this country. But you can see how the, the Germans felt really hard done by on that, considering they were their, their main striker, their golden girl down, you know, and then moments like that happen and the refs haven't really picked it up and you've got 87,000 fans completely on the side of England as well. So you can understand their frustration at that. They're such a win inside. They're mentality monsters. They've never gone into a final and lost until now. So you can understand how that cut deep. And, you know, it didn't, for me, it didn't seem fair. Hmm. Shaban, what would you say about this tournament as a whole? And I suppose, I mean, I mentioned the 17 million uh, viewers of the final hmm. in comparison with, I think, 1.4 million for the 2009 final, same teams involved. So that just yeah. uh, shows a quantum leap in, in interest. What? How do you think we'll remember this tournament in terms of the development of the women's game in this part of the world? It was the moment it changed. It just changed everything. You know, I've, I've watched women's football and girls' football all of my life. I've been doing that before I've gone to men's football, but I, I, can, I still can't believe that happened. It felt like a, it was like a dream going into Wembley and seeing the amount of families, you know, different backgrounds, your doesn't matter your gender, your sexuality, your race, everything was just everyone was on this wave together and it was just such a it was it's cheesy, it really is, but you can't help but go, What an amazing sport and occasion. That's what it felt like. It felt like the biggest, most incredible sport and occasion I've ever been at. And I've been at a few of them. And even my husband was there as well. We weren't we weren't sitting together, he had to get a ticket elsewhere. 
and he came out just beaming, you know, and he, he's a he's a dub, he's a Dublin man. Like you know, I mean, just couldn't believe, you know, that was that happened and that was women's football and how far it's come. It felt like everybody was just on this nice moment together. Everyone was happy. You know, there's no I don't know about you, but I feel like football has lost its way for quite some time. You know, look at the Euros final for the men last year, and not that I sit and compare them both. Uh, sometimes you can't help it, but you do look at the women's game and go this is just a beautiful place to be. And them making history, England winning. And it's the game changer for, for football in this country once again. It's happened before, but this this is really the momentum you can't stop now. It doesn't go backwards from here. It's just going to keep going forward. We're going to see more clubs, more young girls coming through. And what's even more exciting is so much more talent coming through as well. Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? You think that there's a good chance, I suspect, that... Antonio Conte is the man. Tottenham finish second. Ooh. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Yeah, and the, the standard could go off the charts now because we still, you know, we have to acknowledge, and, and Ian Wright really brought it to my attention, that we're talking about a country where, for instance, 37% of girls in schools aren't afforded the opportunity to play football in PE. Now, yeah. already there's a campaign to change that and you suspect this will act as a major accelerant. If nothing else, it'll shame the schools who aren't doing it already. I mean, um, mm-hmm. whatever the motivation, it will change. So you can imagine the standard in the game is going to take a quantum leap over the next 10, 15 years. It has to. You know, I, I, like I say, I don't know how it doesn't from here on in. And having people like Ian Wright, who I felt when he did his punditry on those games... He's somebody who I see week in and week out. You'll know Katie McCabe, the Republic of Ireland captain. She plays at Arsenal and I'm her sister-in-law. So we go and see her week in, week out playing at Bowdoin Wood and Ian Wright sitting in the stands. Every single home game he is there and has been for the last couple of years to see people like him, legends of the game, getting up and speaking, criticising the women's game, where it's great, where it needs to be better. People really sit up and listen. And I think he's been outstanding in this tournament, as he has been for the last couple of years for women's football as well. Um, and when people like him speak out, people listen, and schools have to make those changes. I mean, I, I my twin sister played football at school. You know, so the fact that there's kids today not allowed to play football at school is absolutely beyond me. So hang on, you're Katie McCabe's sister-in-law? I am, yeah, Good I am. Man. I know. I just thought I'd name drop that in there. I thought <laughs> Small that was world. <laughs> we're doing a road. We're doing a road show at Vicker Street later this month, and Ian Wright will be there, and Katie McKay will be a guest as well, dropping in. So this I is know, a weirdly know, small yeah, world. She's going, and my sister's Rusha Little John. So ah, Rusha stop. Little John is the midfielder for yeah, Republic yeah. of Ireland. Yeah. Um, so yes, we we we've all been there at the game together yesterday. Eh, sorry, on Sunday. Um, and the, even the, even the girls, they they can't believe it. You know what they're like. You know, proud Irish women. It's uh, they're 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 you know just cannot believe the scale of mm. football and how it's come along. And you can't help but just be so proud of the lionesses and their teammates and the girls that they've played with for so many years of their lives to become European championships and complete game changers as well. They're just so proud of them. Shaban, have previous uh, tournaments prompted any kind of increase in attendances? in say the yeah. WSL for instance like is that because it, there's always the fear that in uh, the height of emotion and summer tournaments and when it's when it's nations involved there are, of, of course there's a huge huge bandwagon I don't think anyone's under any illusions mm-hmm. in that respect but have we seen previous tournaments prompt any kind of uptake in attendance or viewing figures previously 
Yeah, we have. And what we've seen from the 2019, well, the Olympics, of course, and then the World Cup when uh, England met the USA in the semi-finals, we saw a huge influx after that. But the FA had come out and said after that that we weren't prepared for the amount of young girls that were going to come forward and want to play football. They hadn't prepared for that. You know, that increase in that excitement from young people just turning around to their mum and dad the next day and saying, I want to go to football. Um, and they said after this tournament they would be ready for that. And they need to get in at grassroots. They have to have themselves prepared this time. You've got initiatives, you know, starting up now to make sure that young girls can go 20 minutes down the road and join a football group just like the boys can do, you know. And whereas what we've seen and what I've known growing up is that girls don't, it's not as simple for them to do that, whereas now it's becoming more normal. You know, like Chloe Kelly, who got the match winner as well, she travelled for hours and hours and played with her brothers, you know, and then was able to get the opportunity and the talent shone through and she was snapped up. But there are other girls who are slipping through the net because they don't have the access that, you know, other families that can allow to, can afford to take their, their, their kids to football, can afford to have one parent at home and the other parent taking the others to, to football as well. So, you know, they're, they're now getting ready to make sure that they can support young girls like that because they have supported young boys for quite some time. Mm. Um, but it's being prepared now for that moving forward. And they did, you know, see that increase after the World Cup and they weren't ready. Right. Whereas now for this, they are. And it's funny, I mean, the, the League of Ireland here would suffer from uh, proximity to the Premier League and it's back this Friday and it's just mm. this all-conquering uh, beast. And the WSL is on Sky Sports now and trying to fight for its place yeah. you know as part of each weekend and, and they've tried to move kickoff times around to try and uh, garner more interest would you anticipate more attendances at WSL games or is, is that yeah. hoping for too much or, or is there is there precedent there that, that has to be I think that has to be the imminent change that we see in terms of viewers so for example here in the WSL your your top well your top two Chelsea and Arsenal mm. I would always see them full stadiums unless it's, say, your 7 o'clock on a Sunday night kickoff, which isn't great for if you've got young families. Yeah. But usually on the Saturday and Sunday afternoons that I've been there, nine times out of ten, it's busy. It's pretty packed out. You're getting about four to 5,000. The same um, for Chelsea at Kings Meadow as well. Similarly, you're getting Manchester City starting to bring in an audience as you are at Manchester United. Now, if you look at those top four teams, they had so many players that featured in the Euros who were pull-out poster girls. You know, Leah Williamson at Arsenal, best made Golden Boot winner and player of the tournament at Arsenal. So, um, you know, you've got so many stars at all of those teams that you can go and see on the pitch at the weekend. Whereas if you move further down the table, you know, say Reading, uh, Spurs, for example, moving further down again to Aston Villa and um, I was going to say Birmingham, but they've just been relegated Leicester. For example, they don't have any exact heroes in their squad. So mm. I think what we want to see teams do, what I would like to see teams do in this window before it closes, is invest in a star, put the money in the star, make a good business savvy move where you could actually say, I can go and see my hero play for Leicester this weekend. You know, sometimes, like, for example, when Spurs got Alex Morgan in, I mean, whether you like women's football or not, Alex Morgan's a household name. So I actually felt that was a pretty decent business move. Mm. And Spurs off the back of that got better and better. You know, the, the team really strengthened. They were able to invest more. The players got more in terms of professionalism, and then the squad got better and better. And they were they were they were decent last season. You know they remained all season. So I'd like to see that from clubs. 
to give the fans somebody to go along and really get a real glimpse of. And what's lovely as well at the end of WSL matches, now I don't know how long this can continue, but you know the players stay behind and get selfies with everyone. Yeah. You know now that COVID is kind of safer again, they were allowed to stay behind and get their uh, get their pictures with everyone. So it's a real lovely place to be. You know, going to the women's football games, I love it. I do it as often as I can. I'm invested in so many of the women. I've got you know strong family relationships with so many of them as well. Mm. Um, so to see it get to this level is brilliant. To see it on the TV is even better. Um, but I, we need to keep seeing fans going along week in, week out and supporting their teams as well. Um, so yes, come September when that returns, that w- that's exactly what I want to turn on and be able to see on the telly. You know, And I think the likes of Leicester, the likes of Villa are the teams that are going to struggle with that. Okay, very interesting. Well, Shaban, thank you so much for your time. Let's check in as the season gets underway and see if there's any marked difference or more interest or if it's uh, much the same. That'll be a really interesting conversation. But Shaban Ahern, uh, sister-in-law to Katie McCabe and, uh, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, Name drop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honorary Irish woman and uh, definite Scotswoman. Thank you so much for coming on, Shaban. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a good night. Thank Cheers. You. That's Shaban Ahern there, uh, football journalist, uh, talking to us about England's win at the Euros. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports